to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by Danuta and my fabulous co-host Lawson. Lawson, good morning to you. Good morning. Good to see you here. What, What are you grateful for today? I am grateful that... Look, I got to do a Bible study yesterday. Oh, give a Bible they're the study best always, on, aren't they? On Daniel chapter 9. Oh, just wow. Just like one, one of the just most incredible passages of the Prophecy. Bible. Prophecy oh. literally outlining in de- detail the time in which Jesus would come. Like yes. It is just powerful, amazing. So, powerful so stuff. that was awesome. And how did they take it? Was it to blow their mind? Yeah, they were like stoked, you know, and because uh, we were doing it in like a kind of bigger series where we were going through Daniel chapter 8 and yeah, then Daniel chapter seven, 9. 7, 8 and 9 all go kind of together. That's it's right. bundle, don't they? That's right. And, you know, to get to the end of that and it's like, okay, clearly, you know, what we can see here is that, you know, by the end you get to, Daniel chapter 9, it's like the Bible has laid out all things. You know, mm. Jesus has been working throughout all of history. Amazing events have been happening, all these things. And now we're in a position where God is asking us to choose him, you know, yes. before he's soon return. And do you want to make that decision? And yeah, this person's like, yeah. yes, I want to make the decision oh, to, be, to choose him, Lord. to be used by him. Like it was just amazing. So yeah, shout out my friend Kayla. We had, had and Hannah as well. Great Bible study together. And I'm just kind of just stoked on that, you know, Absolutely. like outside of that, just go back to my dorm, go to class, you know, study, 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 like such is life. But getting those opportunities to meet people and open the word of God with them is huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a massive thing. And the beautiful thing is like when we look at prophecy, particularly in the book of Daniel and then, you know, Revelation is such a book of prophecy too, that, you know, when we know that history has been fulfilled, it points to the fact that the next thing of, you know, the second coming of Jesus will be fulfilled. We can know that fully. And coming up on our show today, we have our interview with Dr. Dita Yankovic looking at family life, which will be fascinating. Mm-hmm. In our news segment, we're going to South Korea and Fiji, and we're also looking at the hope for reversing hearing loss. And in our Bible study, we're looking at Ephesians 6, Masters Who Are Slaves. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. It is our last day today where you can actually enter in for the quiz questions. That means you've got the chance of five questions to answer today before we go into the draw at quarter to nine today. Mm-hmm. You don't want to miss it out. We've had heaps of answers coming in. State it or star it. Um, put, place a star there if you don't. If you just want to play but you don't want to go into the draw but overall, if you just, um, yeah, wanting to keep on going, the more questions you actually answer, the mm-hmm. more opportunities you have to actually uh, uh, get into the draw. So take it away with our first quiz question for today, please, Lawson. That's right. Our first quiz question for today, as I pull it up in front of me, here we go. Which city was taken by the blowing of ram's horns whilst marching around its walls until they fell? That's such a cool story. Classic too. story. If you know the answer to that, if you know which city it was 0491 that is the number to text again 0491 we are having our draw at 8.45am this Today. morning. So and what do these they are win? your last opportunities to get in 
for the amazing book, 13 Weeks to Joy by Jennifer Jill Schwerzer, How to Hold the Happiness that God Gives. Do you want, ex- oh, do do you want you, happiness? Do you, you want, want to experience Jesus? joy in yeah. the Lord? <laughs> uh, this is the, the big question here Absolutely. that this book is trying to ask and answer. So 0491-064-669, you can win 13 weeks to draw. You just have to get answers into the quiz. The more answers you get in, the more chances you have to win. So it's no problem at all to write incorrect answers again. That question was, which city was taken by uh, by the blowing of a ram's horn whilst marching around its walls until they fell? Yeah, they had different kind of trumpets and and horns that we have today, don't they? Yeah, that's right. It's just like, all natural. That's right. I, I I wonder, I, I haven't done any research into this, but How, I wonder what it's like because, you know, when I, so I played trumpet when I was young. Mm. And, you know, like how you can blow at different octaves and oh. different, you know, levels and whatnot um, through the pressure that you blow at. And then plus, well, like a bugle, for example, or a kazoo, mm. it's like depending on the pressure, you know, but it, it kind of jumps to the different parts of the octave. I'm like, does, does a horn work like that? I, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm just thinking like, you know, with didgeridoos, for example, there's change in, I, I guess, the beat and stuff and a little bit of that. And uh, in the sense that I think there'll be a bit of change in the horn with, you know, mm. when you sing through it somehow, the change, yeah. you know, you sure, kind of, sure. especially when there's no buttons to press on, that, the, on yeah, the Rams horn. That's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe, because the didgeridoo is very, very like monotonal, like mm. it comes out in one tone and then there's like little changes of rhythm and pattern that they do. Mm. But then I'm like, oh, is that is that the same or do they have the ability yeah, to change the pitch? Hey, hey maybe you know, maybe you are an expert maybe. on horns made out of, of Rams, you know, uh, you know, a horn made out of a Rams if you know the answer, 0491-064-669, let us know. And also text us if you are from an absolute classic place, Armadale, New South oh, Wales. Oh, I know where Armadale is. Shout out to Armadale. Shout out to all our listeners in Armadale listening on 87.6. But, yeah, mm. that's where we're shouting out today Absolutely. up there in north so, of New South Wales. So Armadale is a little bit inland from the – as you're going between Newcastle and up towards Coffs Harbour Way, mm. and you go – inland and it gets really cold up like really cold really in the cold. winter like yeah they even get the snow at times yeah so wow i'm uh, it's a beautiful spot dude i'm like here this morning oh. it was warm <laughs> it was <laughs> warm i live in a suburb called kurumong kurumong is freezing i'm there you know studying at the university and it was i walked out of the building like my my dorm building mm. and it was warmer outside than inside it felt like a summer's morning i thought <laughs> i thought i was in like Bali and it was or after something. a pile of rain through Dude, the night too it was incredible yeah, yeah, i was yeah. shocked so yeah, it's, mixture it's, of summer and spring and, and a bit of winter with the rain as that's well. That's right. All it's at once. starting to warm up. But mm. hey, shout out to our listeners from Armadale. Let us know how you're doing today. 0491 People have already been getting correct answers through on that number. So keep sending them in, guys. Danuta, where are we going to in our news? Well, we're going to the UK today and we're talking about hearing loss. Like, you know, hearing loss affects a lot of people. And I know mm. when I was a speech pathologist, used to see children and adults who had some kind of hearing impairment at times as well. And at the time, I remember when uh, I was going through um, through studying as a speech pathologist that we talked a lot about cochlear implants, which was a whole new thing that actually came in. In 1979 was the first time that there was a cochlear implant in, um, in Australia. 
And so the thing is that cochlear implants are devices designed to actually bypass damaged hair cells and directly stimulate auditory neurons. And, and that's been going really well. And I remember, you know, in, in, in the lectures, the lecturer said, you know, that people for the first time who didn't have any hearing would actually hear, for example, the smallest of thing like, you know, when you make some toast and you put butter on it and you just hear that very slight scrape with the, the knife or something like that. And so just the smallest things that we might take for granted, uh, People who have hearing loss have, are impacted in so many ways. And, of course, it impacts people's communication, you know, socially because they can't hear things necessarily um, or, you know, and so they miss out or people don't include them in different mm. ways. Um, and also people with hearing loss are less likely to be employed. They're actually two times more likely to have mental health problems, including depression. They're actually five times more likely to develop mm. dementia as well. And I guess that's partly related to the fact that there's the the decrease in the stimulation in the brain mm. um, that's actually happening. So the exciting thing is that in, in the UK... Well, this is not the exciting part. So in the UK, 12 million people in the UK actually have hearing loss. So one in five adults are typically affected. Um, and of those, one in 1.2 million actually have severe hearing loss where they can't actually hear most speech. Now in, um, and so 3.6 million have some degree in Australia, uh, which is, you know, I guess, you know, we have a smaller population, but relatively, you know, that's still a large amount. 3.6 million have have at least some degree of hearing loss and more than 1.3 million in Australia mm. um, those that have hearing loss could have actually been prevented which is really interesting because a lot of this sort of stuff is even like you know wearing their their, their head muffs you know their their head uh, the, the, mm. the ear covers when you're actually things doing like mowing the lawn or even like the other day I actually saw some of the roadside guys having the the loudest of machines and none of them were hearing where Wearing, you know, earmuffs in any kind of way, and I just thought, oh wow, that's that would really be impacting their hearing over time. Mm. Um, and so, even with hearing aids, you know, some people can actually have problems not because they're not always hearing things, either because there's problems with the aids and stuff like that, or, um, or you know, or they, they they're uncomfortable, so they don't wear them. There's a whole pile of reasons. But in the UK, there's a in Sheffield, there's a biotech company called. Rihri Therapeutics, and they're hoping to start trials in the next two years with people who generally have um, the severe to profound hearing loss. In other words, they would be missing virtually most speech, mm. if not all the speech um, in their cases. And so what they're actually looking at doing is a stem cell treatment and they've done pre-clinical trials that have showed that approximately 40% have improved. So they're actually hoping that with this stem cell treatment, they're actually going to get really good results. So they're starting in about the next uh, two years. Mm-hmm. And that they're hoping that, you know, they're going to get great results in this space. So Rhino's cell therapy is for patients with auditory, what's called auditory neuro, neuropathy. And it sounds, so in other words, they actually get the sounds from the ear, but then it actually get, gets, you know, kind of, um, distorted on the way to the brain. And so they can't get the message there with that. So it actually regenerates the auditory neurons and it renews the transmission of the signals in the nerve from the inner ear to the brain. So, you know, what is heard on the outside, we've got the inner ear, uh, what's called, or or the middle ear, it's also called, and then Mm. we've got, you know, through the nerves, that transfer that actually goes to the path, path, pathway that goes to the brain to actually Mm. interpret 
what we have actually heard. Mm. So there's a section in the brain also called the Auditory Comprehension Centre that's putting it in plain terms. Auditory Comprehension Centre, we've also got the Speech Centre. And so, you know, it goes to that centre so that our, comp- you know, we can actually comprehend and interpret what we've then heard. And then, you know, the Speech Centre is the output that we have. Oh, that Isn't is that amazing. just a fantastic thing? I, I love this. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, and the ability that the scientists are gaining to to be able to create technology that actually interfaces in a way with the brain is just like it's kind of it's almost scary it's like oh. oh man how they have the ability to again create devices that convert signals and then our brain like pick gets it and picks it up and un- incredible understands. isn't it i mean the wisdom that god gives to people to mm. work those sort of things out is incredible isn't it yeah but and yeah brains interfacing with technology and yeah oh, I, I like it's I, i'm like oh that is so interesting from a technological standpoint but you know obviously there there are some maybe risks associated with that oh. but in but in this case i'm like man if it's helping people to hear that that's awesome. Absolutely. And there's a Bible verse, you know, particularly in Revelation that says, you know, those who hear the word can be saved. And, you know, some people aren't really good with their reading, for example. And, you know, I think of one of the, the gentlemen that my husband actually had Bible studies with when we were out west. He would walk around the oval giving him Bible studies. They would talk and then reinforce and go back over it and over it because he had some reading difficulties. Mm. But he gave his heart to the Lord and is committed and he's still walking with the Lord and wow. involved in church. So our hearing is so vitally important. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. Lawson, it's time for our next quiz question. Hey, and our next quiz question is, who prayed for forgiveness and strength to push down two pillars and bring the walls of a burning building tumbling? If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. That question again, who prayed for forgiveness and strength to push down two pillars and bring the walls of a building tumbling down upon his Philistine captors? I'm assuming, and, and most people would probably know something on this story, but, you know, somebody that was pretty strong, so it's a really good story in that space. So uh, text us in your answers on 0491 That's Once again, who pushed down the two pillars and brought down the building tumbling down upon his Philistine captors? And you'll go in the draw for the 13-week um, journey yeah, that is taking weeks through. Yeah, 30 Weeks to Joy by Jennifer Jill Schwerzer. You'll get that absolutely for free if you win the draw. Again, 0491-064-669 is the number to text if you know the answer to that one. Getting a bunch of answers <laughs> through already. People really playing the quiz this morning. But hey, Danuta, I have gone down a rabbit hole. Oh, rabbit hole. Rab- I'm going down uh, a rabbit hole and we're going to, we're going to chase, we're going to go down this rabbit hole together. Okay. Um, okay. Where are we going down and into, it's, it's about, into this rabbit it's hole? It's about cults. It's oh. about cults and particularly cults. So we talked about North Korea earlier in, mm, in the this week. week and we talked about the work that's being done there to reach Christians and whatnot. Cause you have a context in which in North Korea, Christianity is illegal and banned, and so they're doing everything they can to get Bibles across the border and to reach people, these kinds of things. Um, I What is so interesting is that just across the border in South Korea, you have the Protestant center 
of Asia, essentially. You have a huge, huge, massive Christian community there um, that is very prolific, you know, very prevalent. Uh, and it's, it's yeah, similar to the United States in that sense. Now, what comes with that is is cults. We, we've heard mm. about the, the cults that come from the United States mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. Lots. And there's a few that are functioning. We're going to eventually get to, you know, some news coming out from a South Korean cult that's Ended up in Fiji, but I want to give you an example. In Fiji, that's yeah, yeah, like yeah. poles apart. That's right. Here's like, so other here side is, of the world. Here is that. Before we get there, um, so an example of a South Korean cult, like probably one of the biggest ones currently, which has around two hundred thousand adherents, is the Shincheonji cult, wow. uh, which is it was started in the nineteen eighties by a pastor that's name. His name is Lee Man Hee. I sorry, by the hold, way, on, hold on, hold on. Did I hear you right? By a pastor. Yeah. So he's like, yep. well, he's like the pastor of the cult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what and I now really, he's got this following. This following. I just want to say, I don't use the term cult lightly. I really don't like in the Christian space when people just call lightly. anything yeah, yeah. a cult. Yeah. We've like, got to be careful. Oh, that's different from me. So it's a cult or it's this or it's that. Like it, so let's it define might be. that. But essentially, okay. when, we're, when we're talking about a cult here, we're talking about um, a, a group that essentially upholds extra revelation than what the Bible offers mm. and then uses that to, you know, you could say control its congregants or whatever it Absolutely. may be. And often the leader sees themselves as the Messiah. As the Messiah or as the central figure That's right. of their particular religious group. Yes. Now, for example, Shinjiongi uh, was started in the 80s in South Korea <laughs> and its founder, Lee Man Hee, he essentially, the interpretation of the cult is that he's the only person who understands the book of Revelation and he is immortal and through him like he will usher in the second coming oh, of, of Christ. He is like he was he interprets Bible passages to be about literally about himself and and I and I love a few of these points in the sense that I love them because they're so easily debunkable. Yes. Um, the Bible the is so, so clear. clear. It's like no prophecies of private interpretation. You know, God has given, you know, the entire spectrum of believers the ability to read and understand the Bible. But then, you know, the way in which they function, they do a lot of evangelism and they've up here, like Shincheonji is functioning here in Australia, particularly in Melbourne and Sydney, and they often, you know, try and uh, you know go for university students and whatnot. And it's interesting because I was in that space working in universities and working with students there. And, you know, it is a place where young people, uh, you know, they're vulnerable looking for identity and whatnot. And that's the key. You've just nailed that because often vulnerable people that get involved in these calls. That's right. And... For us, it, it's tough because then you're kind of lumped in with the crowd. And because mm-hmm. in, especially at Uni Melbourne, they're very much like on the lookout for, like, they're very skeptical about religious groups. And it's tough because, like, for us, we're just like, oh, we just wanted to share the gospel and give these people an experience of baptism. You know, then you've got these other groups like Shinji Onchi who are trying to get people into this group. And then, and then as a result, you know, there's just testimony after testimony after story after story of people being, you know, abused and, and, you know, leaving the cult oh, and being loads. discommunicated from their families. From and, their families. And it's 100%. just this awful thing. Brainwashing in those spaces can happen that's so right. much. And I think that's a huge clarifier as well as the secretiveness the sec- of the yep. organization. Like, again, you know, because I always reflect on, like, okay, well, what makes any church different from a cult? Mm. And it's like, again, 
that need to control someone's life to and not to share the gospel with them and advise them that hey Jesus wants you to live a different life than you're living a sanctified mm. like like God wants to sanctify you and change you and, and make you a better character but literally like you can't talk to your family about what we do you can't talk to your parents yeah, about what yeah, we do yeah. da, 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 da. whereas God is all about family and we've been all about family that in Ephesians he's, at the moment have we all about too? reaching people it's all about you know mixing and mingling in terms of, you know, leading other people to Christ, being in the world but not of the world. Like, that's what God's all about. Yeah. Now, this is Xinjiang Chi. Now, if we go to another cult uh, that is in Fiji, mm-hmm. uh, that has ended up in Fiji, this is the Grace Road Church. The leader, the founder of this church has recently been jailed. Uh, and this was in 2022 over crimes of abuse and also crimes and and this is something that they kind of became known for was illegally detaining people wow so essentially this cult started in 2014 oh well a little bit before 2014 they they started and then with 400 of their members uh they moved to fiji from South Korea. Wow. And they moved... 400 of them moved. 400 of them True moved. True blue. To- no, I mean, that's a massive amount of people all at once. Because, and they obviously... I mean, just shows their belief in this person. That's right. They they moved over there. And essentially, this is, this is so interesting. So is I'm that- interested too as to why they moved to Fiji. Because they believed that God had called Fiji... Called them to Fiji as the promised land in which they would be... If they were in Fiji, they were safe from the impending doom of the second Whoa. coming. So it was like Fiji was this uh, safe haven, essentially, in which they could go to. Safe from the second coming. They, they would be safe from a worldwide drought. Wow. Um, and they would be safe from, you know, just a number of, of the signs of the times. Now, mm. you know, like the, the Bible does give a principle of, you know, being safe in the same coming, you know, f- you know, flee to the mountains and whatnot, these kinds of things. Absolutely. But, but pe- it also says every eye will see him. It'll be a global That's thing right. and not in one particular area and that yeah. we cannot escape it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Hugely. The only escape that we have <laughs> is to be standing with Christ. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. 100%. But they've, t- they've gone to Fiji and, you know, a number of their abuses at the abuses of the, the cult had been reported to the government and calls for their deportation. But they've been very successful on the island of Fiji. They have opened a number of um, supermarkets, petrol stations. They have one of the most successful restaurant chains in Fiji. So I'm just trying to think in my head, how has the government allowed this when they know there's been the degree of abuse that's well, because, actually happening? Well, because for the previous government that was, you know, elected out in 20, in 20, at the end of 2022, they had been benefiting the government a lot because of the money that they were bringing right. to and Fiji. Because of, and because they had suddenly this, you know, 400 people, migrants, yeah. and on top of that expanding within and the And they're creating their- jobs oh. in Fiji and whatnot. But then, again, report after report after report starts coming out that these people are being abused. And, and there's um, one particular testimony that I read from uh, a lady named Sion, uh, Sio Yon Lee who fled Fiji in 2014 after only being there for about six months. Um, she had to leave behind her mother and 11 other family members uh, because she had been... She The reason she fled is she had been extensively beaten oh, um, and abused. Wow. Every All of her uh, assets and everything she owned was being controlled by the church. She had no 
uh, control over her finances and whatnot. And so she ended up um, getting out. Well, now, finally, uh, there has been a, you know, a new government has come in to to Fiji and now members are being well like leaders are being arrested left and right wow. uh, in Fiji and they're being deported back to South Korea to stand trial over wow. their crimes and this is obviously like for me sitting here as a Christian this is fantastic news. Yeah, yeah, because we're told that people will rise up saying they are the Christ, yeah. and and we're told to to to, to lift up our heads because mm-hmm. the, the 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 Lord draws nigh. You know, yeah. the end is coming. These movements against cults like this that create these abuses, and then I particularly think of the 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 Royal Commission here in Australia yes. against child sex abuse and the Catholic Church and whatnot, are often led out by Christians, mm-hmm. and that's because when I see this, I feel disgusted i feel just Mm. so terrible that people are taking the name of jesus and using it to either mentally or even in this case physically detain and abuse people it is it's not god's way tragic it is a misrepresentation of god and And christianity and church of christianity of church it's just awful and it's fantastic to see that something is being done about this. Mm. And because um, simultaneously, right, like we sit here and we, we talk about like, oh, you know, like we should have a right to a freedom of speech, a right to freedom of religion, like, yes. But when you are committing civil crimes mm. and those civil crimes, not like, uh, you know, we when we look at the mark of the beast and whatnot and we see that unfair legislation will be made against Christians to stop them from worshipping God, like, you know, this is the case that it'll become a civil crime just to worship God. But when you are breaking such laws Absolutely. as false imprisonment and detainment and assault and abuse, mm. like, no, you are not representing Christ. This 100%. is not and, the and way it gives that God picture, walks. People, the wrong picture of God. Absolutely, because God is love, compassion, and mercy and grace. Absolutely. So it's fantastic to hear something's being done about this. Hey, let us know what you think about this and cult activity and whatnot. It's great to see movements are happening in this space. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. We're going into our interview shortly, but before we do, we have our next quiz question for today. Please, Lawson. Here we go. Our next quiz question. Oh, this is an amazing question. When Cyrus the Great was faced with the challenge of how to take Babylon, he didn't break down the walls. What did he do instead? This is an epic story (laughs) of military (laughs) conquest. This is is not only like a, a story that's a part of the the Bible, yeah. because obviously, like, we here believe that the Bible is true. Absolutely. But it is confirmed through history as well. Yes, and, it is, 100%. And Daniel was present there to watch them and record the details Absolutely. of what happened. This it's is so well recorded in the book of Daniel. Wood. Amazing. Um, <laughs> this is an amazing question. Oh, I love this. I wish all of our good questions could be like, no, nah, all of our questions are fantastic. We've had some really good questions. Because they're about the, the Bible. The next one but is about Babylon, Babylonians as well. History, so. biblical history nerd, particularly this period of history. Yeah. Like when we when we see the end of the Babylonian era and then when we go from there to Persia and then the Persian Greco wars and whatnot, like just oh so cool. And yeah, so this is an epic question. If you know the answer, 0491-064-669. And the question is essentially how was it that Cyrus the Great, you know, took over the, the city? He didn't break down the walls. 
What did he do? That's what did Cyrus right. the Great do to Babylon? 0491-064-669. If you know the answer to that one, you'll go in the draw to win 13 weeks to joy. That's it. And look, today on our interview, we have Dr. Edita Yankovic. Edita, are you there? Can you hear us? Hello. Yes, I am. Hello. Good morning. Hello, Edita. Welcome to our breakfast show. We're really excited that you can be on Thank our you. show. And we know that you have extensive experience in family life and you've been doing present, you do presentations and you've actually been teaching and lecturing for several years now as well, or for a number of years. And in this space, um, on family life, both in Australia and overseas. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us some background, please. Well, I think my major credibility in this space is the fact that I uh, am married and almost married for 34 years. Oh, praise the have, Lord. Yes. <laughs> happily raised, married too. <laughs> happily married, yes, yes. And I've raised or we have raised uh, two beautiful daughters who are now young adults and independent. So, yeah, that's that's probably the most significant thing, I guess. Mm. Um, and then beyond that, um, I have some training in family life life education and discipleship, religious education. And um, I was teaching at Andrews University for uh, a number of years and now uh, working here in Australia. Oh, beautiful. And of course, Andrews University is one of the, one of the main Seventh-day Adventist universities in the world. It's actually over in Michigan in the USA, isn't it? And attracts people from all over the world for the studies. Correct. It's I, I taught at the the theological seminary, mm-hmm. and um, yes, there are there are students from over a hundred countries at Andrews University. So it's a very international university. Wow, beautiful! And yeah. so you know, teaching about family in that space would be so important because you also had a variety of cultures coming there. Correct. So quite challenging, really, because very different perceptions of what family should look like Mm. in in different cultures. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exciting. So, look, our topic that we're going into today is, you mentioned was talking to us when we were off air, is about talking to your children about sex and just before you launch into that we just want to say to anyone that may be listening any of our listeners that if you prefer for your if you've got children around and you prefer for them to hear on this topic of course from yourself and you haven't spoken to them about it just turn your volume down or just you know however you wish to do it but it's an important topic um dr adita why are we heading into this and yeah just we would let you launch straight into what you'd like to share with us please Well, I think it's super important because we live in a culture um, in which sex is everywhere because Mm -hmm. sex sells. And so it's used to sell cars. It's used to sell furniture. It's Mm. used to sell everything, sexuality. And so I think it's really important that we talk about it. But Mm. as families, we often find it really hard to talk about sex to our children, with our children. And I think for many of us, that's because our parents didn't talk to us about sex. Mm. And so we... And so we have no model. And so whether we're parents or grandparents, um, often we're parenting in a vacuum of, you know, this space of, I don't know what this is supposed to look like. Mm. And we, and we have no vocabulary for these conversations because we have no blueprint. Mm. Um, and so as a result, you know, many parents are afraid that they will say too much or the wrong things. And so they say nothing. But when we say nothing, we're still teaching our children really important lessons about sexuality. 
Mm. We teach. Yeah, that's what people don't realize, that we're still teaching. So what are we teaching them when we say nothing? We're teaching them that we have nothing to say in this mm. space. Wow, that's huge what it you is, just it said is there. Correct. We're teaching them we've got nothing to say. And as Christian parents, we're also teaching them that Scripture has nothing to say. Wow. And our faith community has nothing to say. Oh, wow. Mm. And ultimately what we're saying is, God has nothing to say about this. Oh, this is huge what you've just unpacked right there. I believe this is really, really important because our children are then learning that what they hear from their friends, what they see on social media, what they see in movies, that that's what's true Mm. about sexuality. And yet yet that's so distorted mm. what they see and what they hear, isn't it, in every way, especially with the prevalence of social media these days. Mm. Correct, correct, exactly. And so what that means then is our children are actually caught between what I think of as two competing stories. The Mm. first story is the one that they get from home, that sex is a taboo topic. And so if sex is taboo, children learn that that the story of sex is bad. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, that's really sad. A lot of, a lot of kids, that's what they, they absorb at home. Sex must be bad because nobody's talking about it. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, popular culture is teaching our children another story that sex is great and it's all about me. Yes. Very self focused. Correct. And so, you know, if, if I think about my own experience, the way that I grew up, in my family, it was not talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a kind of this topic that we just never, never addressed. But I was living in a wider culture in which I was surrounded by um, magazines and movies. And I remember we used to catch a bus to school mm-hmm. and we would stand at a bus stop and the bus stop was right outside a news agency. And so I used to go into the news agency at age, you know, 12, 13 mm-hmm. and just kind of flick through the magazines. And back then when I was a kid growing up, it was magazines like Clio and Dolly and Cosmopolitan. Right. And in all of those magazines, um, very there was revealing. <laughs> very revealing. Very and a revealing. lot of stuff. I mean, it's aimed at teenage girls mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff about sex. Um, and so, you know, I kind of grew up in this schizophrenic kind of um, space around a, this, a, a like dis- at home. Distorted picture. Mm-hmm. Correct. At home, we don't talk about this. Mm. Um, so it must be bad. And yet the world is telling me it's this amazing thing. And, you know, this should be the focus of my life. Absolutely. And, you know, if I can, if I can say too, that was my experience that I grew up in a home where it wasn't spoken of either. And I remember that, you know, as young people, the first place I heard anyone talk about it was actually a pastor from overseas where he got all the young people together and started talking about sex. And I thought, hang on, how come you're telling us about this and you know and at at the same time I was relieved that somebody was talking about it Mm. yeah yeah well for me my very first encounter was in the fourth grade in the bathroom on the floor sitting in a little circle with some fourth grade girls and one of the girls uh, was revealing to us all the all the details and I remember having this sense of ickiness there's something icky about this Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's not, that's not the ideal. That's not really what you want for your children. Mm. Um, and yet most of us learn about sex in some way around these two competing narratives. Sex is bad 
It's, you know, something that is whispered amongst children at school. Mm. And then sex is great and it's all about me from mm. the popular culture. Mm. But but neither of these stories represent what I think is the biblical story of sex. Mm. If you think about Genesis 1 and 2, mm-hmm. um, what we have there is that God created male and female and he said, said that this is good. He mm. said, go, multiply, fill the earth. Mm, um, he, talk, he talks about the one flesh relationship. Mm. You know, they, you shall be one. A, a man shall leave his mother and father, cling unto his wife. Mm. So, you know, to me, that's a, like an emotional intimacy and become one flesh. Beautiful. So sex is good mm-hmm. and it's about relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's about God. In, um, in the New Testament, there's a lot of things um, about sexuality that we learn. And for me, the, the passage that I love is 1 Corinthians 6, where it talks about se- sexuality. And it's, then it says, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Mm. And so God has a lot to say about this. Mm-hmm. And yet we're not sharing this with our children. And so, I mean, think about it. If you... If you want your children to have this beautiful story of sex is good, it's about relationship and it's about God, then you need to take the initiative and teach it and not rely on others yes. around, around you yes. as a parent or as a grandparent or whoever you are as a caregiver for children. Absolutely love what you're saying in that space because, you know, God, uh, God is love and he paints this beautiful picture. And in many ways, marriage is, um, you know, that, that earthly example, when it's a healthy one, it's an example of our relationship with God that he wants us to be, you know, have it, have it, this really, really close and intimate relationship with him. Of course, not a sexual one, but just in the sense of a very close relationship. So tell us, Adita, what's the best ways? We've got about three minutes left. What are some of the best ways to actually share, for parents to share with their children? And are, is there any particular age that is best to start talking to them about it, please? So um, the first thing is making your conversations really early. Mm-hmm. Um, the earlier you start, the less awkward it is because uh-huh. you're not waiting to have the talk, you know, <laughs> when they turn 13, when, you know, they've already been inundated with uh, messages from around them. So start early. And in our family, we actually start started at age three mm-hmm. um, because what we realized is we ha- we had two daughters and we hadn't even talked about gender. Mm. And so we asked our oldest daughter one time, you know, what, do you know what the difference between boys and girls is? And she kind of looked and she thought and she said, uh, girls have long hair. And we're like, <laughs> oh, whoops, wow. we messed up hair. So, you know, at age three, I think it's important, it's appropriate to begin talking about gender differences about boys and girls. Mm. And then gradually that, uh, that can be, um, uh, progressed into birth stories. Mm-hmm. And eventually into sex and pregnancy, I think around five, six. Ideally, you need your children to know something about this before they go to school because as soon as they go to school, they will encounter the stories. And so you need to have that foundation in place before they are exposed to the wider story of culture. Mm, love what you're saying with that. And, of course, too, it's a, it's a place where they need to learn to protect themselves and if anyone touches them in those private Correct. places as well. And at this age, that, that, you know, they become aware of the world so much more too. So Correct. Mm. So uh, I think of it as good tech. 
touch, bad touch. Mm-hmm. And sadly, I think in, in the world we live in, we need to teach our children at a younger age about good pictures and bad pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, our daughter um, was accidentally exposed to a, a picture of pornography at age six. Mm-hmm. And, it was, you know, my husband was in the same room on the same screen and there it was, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but wow. before, because we talked about it, because there was a foundation for talking about it, she was able to say, what was that? And, you know, we created a conversation around that. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the second thing is build a parent-child relationship based on love and trust. So children actually feel safe talking to their parents about uh, about things that are disturbing, things that are awkward, that, that are confusing. Mm. So that's really important. Um, if you want to be able to influence your children in this space, you need to have a, a, a relationship built on love and trust. Love and it. I say this all the time, um, to, for children, love is spelled T-I-M. Mm. And sadly, it. that is in such short supply in today's world. Absolutely. But that's what our kids need. They need our time. And the last thing, keep talking. This is not a one-off conversation um, that you can have. You know, it's not one and dusted. This is a conversation that you keep having with your children as as they encounter things in their lives. You hopefully have built a relationship where they can come to you and ask you things um, so that you can, you know, just keep this conversation going. Don't wait until they're hitting puberty to start talking uh, because by that time, not only will they already know most things you want to tell them, mm, absolutely, um, but it will be really awkward. Um, whereas if you start when they're little, yeah, you know, for me, it was hard at age three to start talking about it. Mm. Um, but because you then form that foundation, you're able to keep talking and, and embrace the fact that you won't always get it right. You might make mistakes, but that's okay. It's better than saying nothing and allowing everybody else to speak into this space for your uh, children. Absolutely. Dr. Adita, thank you ever so much. Really fabulous stuff. We really appreciate that. Right now, we're going to go into our new segment. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.